0: Hi, good morning everybody. My name is CJ and I've got some announcements for you. And as Janelle just mentioned, um, we're kind of scattered all throughout the virtual land right now. And there's some really exciting and some fun things that are coming up here at the Oceanside Sanctuary that give us the opportunity to come together in addition to these Sunday morning gatherings. If you're new to the Oceanside Sanctuary, welcome. We are glad you are out there watching or excited you are out there. We'd love for you to get in contact with our team. The easiest way to do that right now is through the OceansideSanctuary.org website. And that'll put you in touch with the staff and the pastoral team if you have any questions. Also, feel free to drop a comment in the feed below. Let us know where you're watching from this morning. And uh, we're excited. We're excited to get back in person here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. But we're thankful for this opportunity uh, here this morning to provide this service to everybody that's out there watching all over the world here today. Here's the quick things that are coming up that are really exciting here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. First of all, tonight, January 30th at 5 p.m., uh, it's a celebration Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., the online celebration. This is a larger denomination, Disciples of Christ, which the Oceanside Sanctuary is part of. Um, They will be celebrating the work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. with a special online event tonight, once again, right at 5 p.m. This will include a presentation of the Annual Disciple of the Year Award. Hopefully Jason will be a nominee for this award. I'm excited about that. Um, Tonight's keynote address speaker will be Reverend Terry Horde owens General and president of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. For more information and to find out how to get there, I'm sure we're going to drop the link in the feed below, but you can go to www.docpswr.org/mlk-jr-celebration. So there's the entire link for you and we'll put that in the feed below in celebration tonight. Also coming up, Processing Religious Trauma, a six-week therapeutic group experience. It's going to start Wednesday, February 16th. It's an in-person gathering right here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. Once again, coming up on February 16th, this group will provide a safe space for those who have been harmed in religious settings but are still seeking to walk out their Christian faith in a healthier way. We will use a combination of trauma-informed exercises contemplative practices and journaling to provide a path towards healing a lot of people are excited about this once again coming up uh wednesdays from 6 30 to 8 p.m beginning february 16th going through march 23rd limited space is available we're able to have 10 participants so make sure you get the information at www.oceansidesanctuary.org we will drop uh the address in the feed below as well for you to get more information on that coming up. Also coming up our annual, excuse me, our monthly book club, which happens every first Thursday of the month. This is gonna be on the uh, Zoom coming up this Thursday, February 3rd at 6.30 p.m. This month we are studying Small is Beautiful, Economics as if People Mattered, Harper Perennial Modern Thought by E.F. Schumacher, named one of Time's Literary Supplements 100 Most Influential Books Since World War II. Small is Beautiful prevents logical arguments for building our economics around the needs of communities, not corporations. You can RSVP on the calendar on the oceansidesanctuary.org website. We'd love for you to be part of that coming up this Thursday night. And then finally, we'd love for you to support what the Oceanside Sanctuary is doing right here in the downtown Oceanside area. and even further. Um, The best way to do that right now while we are watching virtually is simply to go online to theoceansidesanctuary.org backslash give portion of the website and continue to support what is happening right here at the Oceanside Sanctuary. Have a great week, everybody.
1: Well, good morning again, Oceanside Sanctuary. It's good to be back with you here on Sunday morning, even if it is just on YouTube and Facebook. We are a church, of course, that is really dedicated to making sure that we're taking good care of the people who are part of this congregation by not continuing to spread the COVID virus and and also helping uh, to make sure that we aren't spreading that to others. But it does look like cases are dropping just as quickly as they increased. And so we're very hopeful that we'll be able to get back to in-person services again soon. So uh, keep all of those concerns in your prayers as we try to discern together as a church when it's time for us to come back together here on Sunday mornings face to face. We're going to wrap up the Proverbs portion of our wisdom series this morning If you have been tuning in for the last several weeks, you know that we started a a long series on wisdom, and we're going to be dedicating that series to studying three books in the Hebrew Bible. The first is Proverbs, then Job, and then Ecclesiastes. These three books really make up the core of ancient Hebrew wisdom tradition, and the three books that we're studying really offer us very different perspectives on what wisdom is, and so today... We're going to wrap up the Proverbs portion of that. We dedicated the whole month of January to studying Proverbs. And today I'm going to just share with you a couple of things that I've noticed as we have been reading through the book of Proverbs. Also, just by way of maybe sneaking in another announcement, for January, February, and March, we began our call and response scripture study that happens once a month. And so we started that again last Thursday night. We do this once a month for three months in a row. We come together as a church and we talk about what we're studying as a church. And so it's not too late for you next month to jump in as we dive into the book of Job. But before we wrap up the book of Proverbs here today, I just want to invite you to join with me in a word of prayer as we center our hearts and our minds before we read these passages together. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity for us to gather and connect with each other, even online, on YouTube and Facebook. We thank you that we have this amazing ability to stay connected to each other, even in the midst of a global pandemic. I'm thankful, God, for the words that are provided to us in these ancient poems of wisdom we pray that today, as we wrap up our study of Proverbs, that you would open our hearts and minds to a fresh perspective, and that those of us who are in need of more wisdom in our lives would be uh, really captivated by the words that are depicted here. I pray that you would teach us as a church, as we continue to move forward, to be of wisdom, a community of people who are really dedicated to realizing what is good and right and true, not just for ourselves, but for our community here in in coastal North County. I pray that you would give us all fresh ears to hear what you have to say through these passages. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so today I want to wrap up Proverbs by just pointing you to Proverbs chapter 24, just two verses in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 13 and 14. One of the things I love about the book of Proverbs, and I know I go on about this a bit too much, is that it really is a collection of poems. And one of the things that I really enjoy about the book of Proverbs is that it is uh, at the beginning of the book, in the first several chapters, and here at the end of the book it has these sort of extended poems that paint these really beautiful pictures of what God's wisdom looks like. And in between about chapter 10 and chapter 24, from chapter uh, 10 all the way through 23, it's all this sort of collection of one or two line poems that can seem sort of random, but it's sort of like this uh, rapid fire delivery of a wide variety of wisdom sayings. But here at the end of Proverbs, It returns to these slightly longer form poems. And in one of these poems, I think there is a a kind of a beautiful summary of what the whole collection of Proverbs is really all about. So I want to read that to you today, share, share with you what I'm noticing about it, and then invite you to share your thoughts in the comments as well. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 13 and 14 says this, it says, my child eat honey. For it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Verse 14, know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, you will find a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Just two verses here in the middle of chapter 24, One very short, compact poem that utilizes what I think is really beautiful imagery to summarize what really the entire collection of Proverbs is all about. I wanna point out a couple of things that I notice in this very short poem that I think summarizes what we've been learning all month. If you look at verse 14, you'll see what I think is the essence of the entire book of Proverbs. It says, know that wisdom is such. In other words, wisdom is like what it described in the previous passage, the drippings of the honeycomb. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. And here's the key passage for me. If you find it, that is, if you find wisdom, you will find a future and your hope will not be cut off. That's it right there. I I think that is essentially what Proverbs is all about. It's about finding a future. The first thing that I think we learn from the book of Proverbs is that wisdom is future-oriented. Wisdom is more than just knowledge in the sense of gathering information or becoming like repositories of details about facts or figures or the way that things work. Rather, wisdom is something a bit higher than that kind of knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to see long-term patterns in how life works so that we can accurately find ourselves in a future that is good for us. If you find it, you will find a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Over and over again in this collection of of one and two line poems, we see this depiction, this sort of contrast between the wise person and the fool. And the fool is the person who is focused on here and now, the person who is focused on the moment, the person who is tempted by desire or cravings or some form of pleasure that they can engage in right now. But later, because they've done that, their lives are destroyed. Whereas wisdom is depicted as the person who is willing to pay a price now, a person who's willing to work now, a person who's willing to discipline themselves now, a person who is willing to suffer a little bit of discomfort now, because in the future, it yields dividends, it yields good fruit in their lives, it yields profit. In other words, a little bit of suffering now leads you to a life that is better in the future. Wisdom is all about having a hope for a good future in our lives. And that, I think, is what distinguishes foolishness from wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It's essentially just all about self-discipline. The second thing that we learn, I think, from this passage is not just that wisdom is about finding a future that we can look forward to that is good, But we also learn that wisdom is learned, this ability to discern what lies ahead of us in the future, that 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 discernment, that ability, that wisdom is learned in community. Now, Proverbs, I think, could be rightly misunderstood as depicting wisdom as something that you entirely possess individually. It's a sort of personal characteristic or attribute that makes you more virtuous. I think it's a a common pitfall that when we read these ancient Proverbs, we come away from it thinking that the ancient Hebrew uh, sages and wise people essentially taught this idea that we all need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. But I don't think that's what Proverbs teaches at all. In verse 13, it says, "'My child, eat honey for it is good, "'and the drippings of the honeycomb "'are sweet to your taste.'" Now, what we see here in verse 13 is a, a little bit of poetic rhetoric, a little bit of a, an act of salesmanship, an attempt to convince the young or foolish person that wisdom is actually delicious, that it's something to be savored, that it's something to be enjoyed. And, of course, the reason why the wise person has to use this imagery of wisdom being like honey is because wisdom comes through correction and teaching and reproof, and most of us very naturally hate being corrected. In fact, we despise it. When we are immature, we hate it when others point out our faults, when others point out our mistakes. But wisdom, one hallmark of wisdom, in fact, is that we learn to love being corrected. We learn to love being disciplined. We see this again and again in Proverbs. The best example, I think, is Proverbs 12, 1 that says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. And so we learn then that wisdom, although it might seem like a personal attribute, wisdom is actually something that we learn in community. We learn through Proverbs that in order to be a person who has a hope for a good future, in order to learn how those patterns in life, that we have to surround ourselves with people who are wise. We have to learn from them, that we have to attend to their advice, that when they correct us and tell us that we're wrong, we become people who are eager to be corrected and people who are eager to be put back on the right path. Whereas those who are foolish surround themselves over and over again. It's depicted in Proverbs. Fools surround themselves with other fools. And so the truth here is that both wisdom and foolishness are learned in community. And whether we become wise or foolish is largely a function of who we choose to be in community with. Who are we learning from? Are they... People who genuinely know how to live good lives or not. This reminds me, of course, when I was a kid, my mother and father, probably like a lot of your parents, constantly insisted that I eat things that I didn't want to eat. Usually those things on my plate were green. And of course, I'm a child of the 70s, which means that any green food on my plate, whether it was Brussels sprouts or lima beans or green beans, typically came out of a can. These were not fresh vegetables. Instead, we were eating slimy Brussels sprouts that came out of a can and had been like heated up in a pot on a stove. And there was literally nothing worse that I could put into my mouth than those disgusting Brussels sprouts. I remember as a kid shoving as many of them into my mouth as I could at one time as quickly as possible and then guzzling the biggest glass of milk I could just to get it over with. I'm still traumatized to this day. From having to eat brussels sprouts as a child. I remember at some point I must have been in my 30s and Janelle said she wanted to make brussels sprouts one night for us for dinner and I said no god no not brussels sprouts I hate brussels sprouts and she said you haven't had good brussels sprouts and so she went to the store and she bought fresh brussels sprouts and she cut them at half and and she put them in a cast iron skillet that was hot and she poured oil in there and some salt and some pepper and then she scalded them in a pan and then she drizzled some balsamic vinegar, vinegar on them and she put them on my plate and I gagged and I protested I reverted to my 10 year old self until she made me taste them and they were amazing I suddenly realized in my 30s I liked brussels sprouts because of course some of the very best things in life are an acquired taste. Whether it's Brussels sprouts or green beans or wine or an IPA or anything else in life, the very best things in life are usually things that we dislike as children. But when we grow and we become more mature, our tastes expand, we become more open to new ideas and experiences And we discover that the things we hated as children are are to be cherished as delicacies when we grow older. Wisdom, I think, is an acquired taste. When we're little, when we're young, and we're corrected, we're told that we're wrong, we hate it, we despise it, it's painful to be told that we're wrong. But if we grow up, if we mature, if we acquire a love for what is true, then we learn to love being corrected. We learn to love being directed in the right way by those who we see have demonstrated a life of goodness before us. So wisdom then is something that we learn in community that seems difficult at first because it's painful in the short run, but we learn to love it because it teaches us how to live lives that are genuinely good. And that's the last thing that I learn from the book of Proverbs that's not explicitly found in this poem, verses 13 and 14, but I do think that it is implied. And so back to verse 14, when this poem says, "'Know that wisdom is like honey for your soul.'" And if you find it, you'll find a future. I think there is an implication here that the goodness that we enter into in the future is not just a goodness that's good for me. It doesn't just line my pockets with profit or deliver me into a life of ease and comfort. Instead, it's a life that is good for all of us. In other words, wisdom in the ancient Hebrew tradition is not just pragmatic. It's not just about You getting what you want in life. Wisdom instead is deeply devoted to genuine goodness. I love Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. Excuse me, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31 says this. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. But those who are kind to the needy honor him. Over and over again, throughout these Proverbs, throughout these little poems that we encounter, we see right next to the Proverbs that say things like, if you want to do well in life, then get up in the morning and go to work instead of lying in your bed. Right alongside those Proverbs, we find sayings like this that remind us that a good life, a life that is truly wise, is not one that simply gathers whatever we can for ourselves. It's a life that looks out for the needs of others, too. Proverbs is deeply committed to this idea of a community that is genuinely good and just and righteous for everybody, starting with those who are poor. We find this in other passages that tell us that to be a wise person means that you have true scales for measuring, referring to, of course, the way that we do business. Are we doing business honestly with each other Or are we cheating those that we do business with? In other passages, we see that those who are genuinely wise always testify honestly. They don't give false witness because to testify falsely is to divide and break and destroy relationships. Again, ancient Hebrew wisdom is, is devoted not just to what is good for me, but what is good for all of us. And so in this way, I think we learn that this wisdom that is being taught to us is is genuinely devoted to what is good and right and true in life. I I find this very helpful. And as I read through these passages uh, over and over again, I'm constantly confronted with these three questions, and I want to offer these questions to you. The first question is, what are you hoping for? If wisdom means that you have a hope for a good future, then I think the question is, what's the future that you are hoping for? What future do you hope for in your relationships with your family, with your spouse, with your partner? What future are you hoping for for your neighborhood? What brokenness do you see in your neighborhood or your school or your workplace or your city that you desperately desire to be better, to be fixed, to be repaired? That's a question that I think should drive every follower of Christ who genuinely desires wisdom. What future are we hoping for? And then I think the second question that I ask myself is, is what I hope for good and right and true. Because I don't know about you, but I have a lot of desires. I have a lot of wants. I have a lot of wants that I sometimes confuse with need. Like you, I live in a highly consumer-oriented, capitalistic society, and we are all as such deeply prone to desiring things that are not genuinely good, either for ourselves or for others. Is what you hope for genuinely good and right and true? If it's not, If you honestly answer that question and you look at what it is that you are hoping for, what you're desiring for, and if it doesn't look genuinely good and right and true, then I think you go back to question number one. And you ask God to give you a hope for what is genuinely good and right and true. But once you do have hopes in mind, once you do have a vision in mind, for a future that's better for all of us, then I think the last question is, who can you learn this from? Who can teach you what it looks like every day to move towards that kind of better future for all of us? And I think it's helpful to be specific in your answer. Look around at the community that you're a part of. Who is it that you have a relationship with who is genuinely wise? How can you have a relationship with them so that you can learn from them how to find that goodness, that righteousness, that truth in your own life every day? What community represents that for you? Obviously, that's the kind of community we want to be at the oceanside sanctuary. We want to be a community of wisdom a collection of people who follow Christ and ask these questions, what is good and right and true for our community here in North Coast uh, San Diego County? And how is it that we can connect with people who can help us achieve that goodness? Not just for ourselves, but for everyone in our community around us. I wanna encourage you just to ask those questions of yourself this week, take some time to be alone, And sit down and prayerfully ask those three questions and see what kinds of answers arise in your heart. Next month, we're going to be taking a look at Job, and Job is going to provide a very different perspective on wisdom than Proverbs does. But before we get there, it's important, I think, to wrestle with Wisdom 101 and learn how to ask and answer these basic questions. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you again for today and for this opportunity for us to gather and connect and to read these words that uh, stir up our hearts and our imagination uh, that sometimes can challenge us in ways that are uncomfortable but promise a, a hope and a vision for something better in the future. We ask that you would give us the desire, God, the taste for wisdom that would lead us to pursue you in our lives each and every day and learn how to do the things that might be difficult in the moment, but yield good fruit for ourselves and others down the road. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.